Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 110 of The Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And Tony, with the East-West Shrine Bowl in the rearview mirror, it's on to Mobile for this year's Senior Bowl. I know you usually look forward to Shrine Week more than Senior Bowl Week, Tony, despite the fact that the better talent is unquestionably down in Mobile. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's the more important game, without a doubt. I mean, it's not just the better talent, but, you know, guys at the Shrine game who play well may move into the second day of the draft. Guys who play well at the Senior Bowl could move into the top 10 picks of the draft. So, obviously. I mean, I don't – I like the Shrine game better because I think it's a little bit of a more relaxed atmosphere. Uh, I think the Senior Bowl – remember, this will be my 20th Senior Bowl. I've been to every pad of practice at the Senior Bowl for the past 20 years. Really, the only one I missed was the one with, with you last year when they had to move it to that indoor facility at, at South Alabama because of the weather. It's just getting – I think the Senior Bowl is getting away from what I knew it to be when I first went in 2000 as a pure scouting event to more of a media event. But it is what it is, and it is still a very important week of practice in the lead-up to the draft. I think a lot of that, too, is – because it's a more important event, there's going to be more media on hand. These are more well-known players. You know, the NFL guys who don't cover prospects during the year at all, they're going to be at the Senior Bowl, and they know who these guys are because a lot of them played at big schools or had big games. They were big names. Whereas the Shrine game, you really have to be kind of a junkie to go down there and, and really go hard on the Shrine game. It's also easy access to a lot of coaches, to general managers, to people in the league, you know, people within organizations, which is why. A lot of the teams and the coaches, they leave before the final practice. I go back to, you know, from the years 2000 to 2008, that last day of practice, which at that point in time was Wednesday because they used to practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Wednesday practice was always the biggest practice of the week, the most important one. It still is the most important one. But back then, I mean, they used to practice at high school football fields and the people would line the fields five deep, uh, which is usually what you get the first day of practice uh nowadays uh but what happens is now is usually people most a lot of the teams and and a large number of the scouts especially and coaches specifically will leave mobile by wednesday and just watch the last day of practice on film now on this episode we're going to run through the senior bowl rosters with a quick preview of every position starting as always with the quarterback and keep in mind the caveat that these rosters are as of thursday night when we're recording this so things are subject to change but at the quarterback position The headliner has to be Oregon's Justin Herbert. It's a big stage for him. Never really showed that killer instinct or, you know, the ever elusive it factor that we've discussed kind of ad nauseum with him. Didn't really do it that much at Oregon. The question is, can he do it in Mobile? Just as important for Herbert, uh, his play on the field, his play during the practices will be the interviews because I think he's going to be asked a lot of hard interviews at the Senior Bowl. And remember, Senior Bowl interviews now, are as important as combine interviews because what the teams do is they use the senior bowl interviews to get those combine interviews out of the way. Uh, So guys like Justin Herbert, you know, the teams that are interested, he may have 20 to 25 interviews at the senior bowl 
and then go to the combine and only only have a dozen because teams have interviewed him in Mobile. So it's not only what he does on the field, it's how he answers those questions uh, in the interviews. And remember, I say this ad nauseum, the senior ball is a kingmaker at certain positions, quarterback being one of them. We saw it last year with Daniel Jones. I mean, we talked about how it was such a huge week for Daniel Jones in the lead up to the 2019 senior bowl. Chris and I both thought he did a great job the first day of practice, but was not able to keep up that momentum. Guess what? Dave Gettleman fell in love with him. And Gettleman talked about meeting him and speaking with Daniel Jones and his performance at the senior bowl last year, which is why he took him in the sixth round pick. The Carson Wentz's of the world, uh, the Philip Rivers of the world. I mean, guys who came in as, you know, bottom of third round one type of guys, vaulted to the top of the draft because of their play at the senior bowl. That is not only what, you know, Justin Herbert has the opportunity to do, but also Jordan Love, who like Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, the underclassman from um, Utah state did had a bit of, bit of a disappointing season, did not meet expectations. Really a lot was expected from him. He didn't deliver. He was up and down uh, like Justin Herbert probably played more poor football than Justin Herbert but it's a huge week for Jordan Love of Utah State. Yeah, when you were saying, you know, guys jumping from the back half of the first round, obviously the name that comes to mind in that scenario is Jordan Love. Now, you mentioned questions that Herbert's going to have to answer. Obviously, Jordan Love has a lot to answer because of his marijuana arrest right before the bowl game, literally the week before. Just not good decision-making from him. So that's going to be something teams are obviously going to be asking him about. They're also going to want to know, why did this season go so far off the rails. Obviously, he lost a lot of his supporting cast from last year. That played a part in his poor season. But this is a big week for him to prove that he's worth the summer hype that we gave him and lots of others gave him as well. He's going to have a lot of talent around him to do that. Other guys to watch at the quarterback position, Oklahoma's Jalen Hurts and Washington State's Anthony Gordon really put themselves on the map this year, Hertz was kind of on the map before just because he played at Alabama, but no one took him seriously as a quarterback prospect. Him and Gordon are going to have a chance to build some momentum, as will Steven Montez out of Colorado. We've discussed him a lot, made some strides this year. The last quarterback in Mobile is Shea Patterson, who we discussed on a recent episode. Just a disappointing career overall between Old Miss and Michigan compared to the hype that he had out of high school. But obviously a good performance in Mobile can help erase some of that Beyond Herbert, Tony, and also beyond Jordan Love, who are you going to be watching the closest? Well, I think Patterson actually was good his sophomore year at Mississippi. I think it all went downhill for him uh, when he when he transferred to Michigan. You know, obviously, uh, you know, I like Stephen Montez. He has really fallen uh, like a rock off, off thrown off a cliff since the midway point of his junior season. This is a big opportunity for him. And and the fact is, is if it wasn't for Joe Burrow making the massive jump literally from coming into the season graded as a last round pick or a late round pick by scouts to what looks like now to be the first pick of the draft, we would be talking about Jalen Hurts making the biggest move at the quarterback position because coming into the season, everyone thought of Jalen Hurts as a late round pick. And now he's a second day selection and he's played some outstanding football. The thing about Jalen Hurts is now he's got to prove it in an NFL type system because I like what Jalen Hurts did. Give him a lot of credit. I thought he really pulled together a fantastic season. He grew mentally into the quarterback position, uh, his poise, his accuracy, and and everything else. But that Oklahoma system does tend to exaggerate quarterback talents, as does playing in the Big 12. He's going to have an opportunity to do with the senior bowl. I hope he does. I'm rooting for him because he's uh, from everything I heard, he's a great guy. I like to see stories like that. The fact that he's going back to the state of Alabama where he left uh, after he lost his starting job. 
So obviously Hurts is going to be a guy to watch. Now, Eno Benjamin of Arizona State is kind of the headliner of the running back group. Big workload the past two seasons. Kind of plays a big backs game without a big backs body, about 210 pounds. Does have good quickness and vision, though. Keyshawn Vaughn, a guy who really went down with the ship a bit at Vanderbilt this year, but still a strong runner with good speed and some ability as a receiver. There are several other backs of intrigue as well. Florida's LaMichael Pirine is one. But the one thing that was notable to me when I looked at the senior ball site, Memphis wide receiver Antonio Gibson is listed as a running back. Now, Gibson's a big-time playmaker, almost 20 yards per catch this year, but 6'2 running backs are very rare unless you're Derrick Henry. Break down the backfield here for us, Tony. Yeah, I agree with you about Gibson. And Gibson was a guy who wasn't even graded by scouts, wasn't even mentioned by scouts coming into the year, really showed some uh, dominant flashes at receiver, had one game at running back late in the season where he I, – I don't – it wasn't the title game. I think it was, it was the one before the title game for Memphis where he played tremendous at uh, running back. But I agree. I, I thought it was strange. That caught my eye when they, uh, when they had Antonio Gibson listed at, a, at the running back position. The fact that he's even playing in the senior bowl, considering that, you know, five months ago he wasn't even graded by scouts, just shows, you know, something – a major victory for him. I like Josh Kelly, Joshua Kelly of UCLA – had an off year, didn't meet expectations, but that's been a symptom of UCLA football, at least the past two years since Chip Kelly was there and before when Jim Moore was there. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you on Keyshawn Vaughn a bit. I think he's really, uh, I think he's really played well this year in a situation at Vanderbilt where the whole team was down. And remember, with the receiver, with the tight end, with Keyshawn Vaughn, a lot, as well as Riley Neal, the quarterback, a lot of people expected – Great things from the Vanderbilt offense and team this year. We didn't get him. Vaughn really is my number one rated back that's going to be at the senior ball. He's a bigger guy. Want to see his perimeter speed. Also want to see his hand size because he's got really small hands, which isn't good for a running back that's got to show he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Now with Vaughn, I wasn't saying anything negative about him or anything like that, but just the numbers aren't there. And, you know, statistically, you know, you can look at one thing. Obviously, if you watch him on the field, he's still the same player, but statistically it wasn't there. And as a result, people are going to look at him differently. He's going to get less attention. Why didn't he match this season? But when you look at it in the context of the Vanderbilt offense, which we can kind of get to here with the receivers, because a guy that a lot of people considered highly was Kalijah Lipscomb coming into the season. And again, the numbers suffered, just the offense as a whole was not that good. So it'd be interesting to see what Lipscomb can do. And then there's a lot of other big names at the receiver position. Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, Brian Edwards from South Carolina, Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, who we've talked about a lot on this show, a pair of Longhorns, Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay. The one change that I've noticed is there's only one true small school receiver this year, and that's Liberty's Antonio Gandy-Golden. There's some other intriguing guys as well. The list really goes on and as usual, there's going to be something for everybody here, whether you like big receivers who win contested balls, route technicians, speedy playmakers. There's a lot to unpack at the position. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see Brian Edwards' speed, especially when they do those one-on-one drills. Is he able to get any downfield separation? Is he able to get separation through his routes? Or is he just a bigger body, 215-pound receiver who wins out for the contested throw? You can say the same thing about Colin Johnson. You can say, say the same thing about uh, Michael Pittman. I think James uh, Prochet of SMU is a good story. Had a terrific year. Not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, not the fastest guy in the world, but just consistently makes plays. Devin DuVernay, in a lot of ways, outplayed his teammate Colin Johnson this year. Uh, he doesn't have the size, but I think he's got the better separation skills. 
so that's going to be something to keep an eye on, how DuVernay does in comparison to Colin Johnson. Van Jefferson's been a favorite of mine since his days at uh, Mississippi, a guy who I liked as a last-day pick, uh, someone who I think could be a good slot receiver, can also uh, do double duty as a return specialist. One last guy, Denzel Mims of Baylor. A bigger guy, 6'2 and a half, goes about 215 pounds. You know, you have questions about the speed of these uh, Big 12 receivers, Alan Lazars, the Hakeem Butler types. I'm told that Mims is a guy who could run in the low 4'4s, high 4'3s. We'll see if that's true, and we'll see if he shows that speed during drills. Now, sticking with kind of a theme here, before the season started, the third skill player from Vanderbilt in Mobile would generally be the headliner at the tight end position, and that's Jared Pinckney, a guy who had some really nice grades over the summer. We talked about kind of going down with the ship before. Pinckney really struggled in 2019, way more so than Vaughn, way more so than Kalijah Lipscomb, just 20 receptions after he had 50 in 2018. But as always, Mobile is going to provide him an opportunity to bounce back and prove that it was more about the team surroundings around him than his ability. Florida Atlantic's Harrison Bryant is a very intriguing guy after going over 1,000 yards this season. Purdue's Bryson Hopkins as well. A couple small school guys to watch at the position. Portland State's Charlie Tomopu. I might have pooed that name, but it's okay. And also Dayton's Adam Troutman. Fill us in on those two, Tony, and your thoughts on the tight ends overall. You know, coming into season, Tomopu of Portland State was rated higher than Troutman of Dayton, but uh, Troutman really out, outplayed uh, Tamapu in a, in, a, in a big way. Tamapu was given uh, fourth, fifth round grades. There's some scouts who think he's a seventh round guy, may fall out of the draft. They don't know whether he's going to be a tight end or a fullback. So that's something to watch. Troutman's got the size. We've got to wonder if he's got the speed to see if, he could, if his production, which was off the charts this year, was just the fact that he was able to beat up on small school competition in Dayton, or is he a big time player? I mean, if he shows speed, He's a guy who could hop into the top 100. Right now, I have him graded as a fourth-round pick. Speed is not a problem for Bryson Hopkins of Purdue, who really started to meet expectations. A guy who really did little up until two, uh, 2019, but scouts knew about his athletic ability. Some scouts graded him as a third-round pick. When he's on his game, he is a big-time producer. He is a tight end that can split the seam, get down the field, and make big plays. He's a terrific pass catcher. But the thing about Hopkins is you want to see how he does in the blocking drills because he's more of a move tight end who really struggles in blocking situations. One guy I'm uh, looking forward to seeing is Josiah DeGuara of Cincinnati, somebody that you and I talked about when we did our summer scouting preview back in June, someone who was graded as a street-free agent. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's just efficient in all aspects. He's a good pass catcher who does a solid job blocking. his athleticism is going to be tested here at the senior ball. At worst case scenario, I think DeGuerra has got a, uh, has a, a future at the next level as a uh, number three tight end. Now we have a good group of offensive linemen in Mobile. Nick Harris from Washington and Matt Hennessy from Temple. Two of the top centers in the class are going to be there. We saw Michigan guard Michael Onwenu during Shrine Week. His teammate Ben Bredesen will be at the senior bowl. Kentucky's Logan Stenberg and Clemson's John Simpson couple intriguing, powerful guards. UConn tackle Matt Pert is a guy that Tony was very high on preseason, one of many talented tackles that are going to be in Mobile. Washington's Trey Adams will be there too. Auburn's Prince Tego Inogu, Texas Tech's Terrence Steele. Who are you going to be watching most closely, Tony? Well, let's start off with the centers. I mean, one guy that's not on the official roster just yet, but I'm told he's going to be there, is Keith Ishmael of San Diego State. Now, when you look at Keith Ishmael of San Diego State and Nick Harris, Really, their senior bowl 
or their draft stock is going to take place during weigh-ins because both of these guys are rumored to be under six foot two. I'm told that Ishmael's arms may be under 32 inches and Harris's arms are just slightly over 32 inches. So really for Keith Ishmael, San Diego State and Nick Harris of Washington, their weigh-ins are going to be very critical. I mean, because if they're not six foot two, uh, I think they're, they're going to drop. Matt Hennessy, like uh, Ishmael, is an underclassman. A lot of people like him. They think he could go second day. You're obviously going to keep an eye on him. Uh, when you get to the uh, offensive guard position, obviously Ben Bark of uh, St. John's, Minnesota, play tackle. I've got him projected to guard. Let's see how they use him. Uh, at the senior bowl, if he plays tackle, how does he hold up uh, against the speed rushers? If he plays guard, does he show any strength at the point of attack? I'm really looking forward to seeing Jonah Jackson, a guy I've mentioned a couple times at Pro Football Network and on this website, uh, on, on this podcast, I'm sorry. Uh, Rutgers transfer <laughs> made the decision of a lifetime going from Rutgers to Ohio State. And a guy who really, does, I don't think, does, gets, does not get the, uh, uh, the credit he's due. I'm interested to see Josh Jones of Houston. I am not big on Josh Jones. I think he is a average college left tackle who projects to guard. There are people who disagree. He came into the season with barely draftable grades. I've seen people who think he's going to be a second-day pick. Next week, we'll tell a lot about Josh Jones, about his draft stock. Uh, I think he's up against it. We'll see what happens. We go to the tackle position. You mentioned Matt Pert. You know, everyone who listens to this podcast knows about our fondness for Colton McKivitz of West Virginia. I'm very excited to see Justin Heron, the, the Wake Forest tackle, a guy who at one point in time I believed to be a, a top 60 pick, had a knee injury which kept him on the sidelines in 2018. And then there's Prince Tego Wanago, a guy who I think is a fringe first-round pick. Some scouts graded him as a mid-first-round pick coming into the season. He's big. He's athletic. You want to see how he does in pass protection drills. Uh, and if he stands out, I definitely think he's a guy who could slide into the late part of round one. Now, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball here, the defensive ends are headlined by a guy we've discussed often on the show. Florida's Jabari Zuniga, quick and explosive, very good athlete, also capable of power rushing as well. We're also going to see some edge rushers like friend of the podcast, Josh Uche from Michigan. Tennessee's Darrell Taylor is going to be there. Utah's Bradley and A. And Michigan State's Kenny Willekes was a late addition to the Senior Bowl roster. Moving inside to the defensive tackles, the headliners probably South Carolina's Javon Kinlaw. We also have Lecky Fotu from Utah, another guy we've discussed often. Alabama's Raquan Davis. Nebraska's Darian Daniels, who actually played between Khalil and Carlos Davis at DT for Nebraska. What are you looking to see from this group, Tony, and Mobile? It's good to see both Javon Kinlaw and Raekwon Davis there. I think they have a lot to gain. I think Kinlaw, his interviews are going to be very important. We know about his athleticism. He's a big athletic guy who can clog the gaps or get outside the tackle box and make plays. You know, I'm really interested to see Trevon Hill, the former Virginia Tech player who transferred to Miami of Florida, decided to enter the draft, uh, probably could have gone back for another year, you know, Trevon Hill in 2017 looked like a world beater. He looked like the next top pass rushing prospect to come out of Virginia Tech. He was kicked off the team midway through the uh, – actually, I should say the start of the 2018 season. 
transferred to Miami, really was never a factor. I've done my Miami film work, and this guy was just never a factor. You know, which Trevon Hill are we going to get? The one that we've seen the past year and a half or the one that we saw at Virginia Tech in 2017? Travis Gibson of Tulsa, another slightly small or thinnish pass rusher who's got a good amount of athleticism. I'm going to be really looking forward to seeing him. John Grenard of Florida, I, I mean, was a pass rushing extraordinaire last season until uh, he got injured late in the year. Teams and people question his athleticism, and, and that athleticism or lack of it could keep him out of the top 45. He is absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, a top 40 uh, prospect uh, on the field. It's just, does he have the athleticism? Marlon Davidson of Auburn's coming off a terrific season. Going to be watching him. And uh, there's one more, Robert Windsor, uh, the senior defensive tackle from Penn State. You know, Gross Matos got a lot of headlines there, but when you watch the film, uh, their interior defensive tackle, Robert Windsor, it's like nonstop go with that guy. Really looking forward to seeing him play uh, during the senior bowl. Now the linebackers in St. Pete were a bit disappointing, but there are some very intriguing ones that we will see next week in Mobile. Francis Bernard, the Utah linebacker, guy we've been talking about for really what feels like forever. Uh, you know, Tony was one of the probably first people to hype up Francis Bernard. He's fast. He gets to the ball very quickly, reads the plays very well. Similar player to Ohio State's Malik Harrison, who also brings a lot of speed to the linebacker position. Evan Weaver out of Cal doesn't bring a lot of speed to the position, but just a tackling machine, excellent instincts. A couple linebackers from Alabama, Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings will be there. Akeem Davis-Gaither from Appalachian State, who we discussed a few times in recent weeks. He'll also be down in Mobile. We also have Wisconsin Zach Bond, another guy we've talked about. So it's a really solid group here, Tony. What are you most excited to see from the linebackers? Yeah, and Francis Bernard, remember, was not graded by scouts coming into the year, which is surprising to me because if you watch the 2018 film, I mean, he had some, he had some just incredibly athletic plays. Uh, so we're going to be watching out for him. Want to see Terrell Lewis. I've liked Terrell Lewis. I, I think when he's healthy, he is a difference maker as a three, four outside linebacker. Evan Weaver, uh, guy who I, I like a lot. I want to see him in those coverage drills. He's an explosive, sudden player in the box and up the field. He is a tackling machine, but can he cover the tight ends and running backs in those drills? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with Josh Uchi. You mentioned him before. Is it is he going to line up at defensive end? Are they going to use him at linebacker? Are they going to do a little bit of both? And, you know, we know he looks very athletic on film, but can he do anything, again, moving in reverse uh, in those coverage drills? Akeem Davis-Gaither, we've spoken about him a lot. Very interested to watch DJ Wanham, the uh, South Carolina pass rusher. Is he going to be used at defensive end? Is he going to be used at outside linebacker? I mean, here's a guy that some scouts had as a potential top 60, top 45 pick, I should say, coming into the season. I've never thought he was draftable because he just doesn't produce that much. Uh, I mean, a lot will be told during Senior Bowl week. And last but not least, we'll move to the defensive backs. LSU cornerback Christian Fulton still slated to head to Mobile. He's probably the headliner of the cornerback group. Oklahoma State's A.J. Green is another very talented corner, as is Notre Dame's Troy Pride Jr. Terrell Burgess from Utah is a guy that Tony has praised on past shows here when we've talked about the Jalen Johnsons and the Julian Blackmans of the world from the youth secondary. And there's also Georgia Southern's Kendall Vildor, who had that spirited matchup with the aforementioned Antonio Gandy-Golden in the Cure Bowl. At safety, Notre Dame's Alohi Gilman will attend the week after declaring for the draft, as we reported often on this show. 
Kalecki Hudson will be there. Jim Nagy must listen to us when we expressed surprise that he wasn't initially invited. We <laughs> talked about this on our last episode as well, where you know he was at the Shrine game and the Shrine game lost him to the Senior Bowl. Uh, we're also going to see Gilman's teammate, Jalen Elliott, there. Ashton Davis from Cal is a guy many people are very high on. Tony's a little more lukewarm on Ashton Davis, more of a, an athletic type of safety, but a potential small school gem in the secondary. Southern Illinois' Jeremy Chin. Tony, what do you make of all of these defensive backs that we're going to see down in Mobile? Obviously, it's great to see Christian Fulton there. Hopefully, he stays in the game. Uh, I think this will be the difference between Christian Fulton being a uh, – a guy who I think could go top 24 and a guy who may slide out of the second round, really looking forward to AJ green. I've liked AJ green of Oklahoma state for a couple of years. Now I got, have him graded as a potential late second, early third round pick. He's a guy who doesn't get thrown too much. They, they stay away from him. Uh, Want to see him matched up against some of the better receivers. Troy pride uh, junior of, of Notre Dame. I think he's gone the way of a lot of Notre Dame cornerbacks came into the season with a lot of hype. There was at one point in time I thought he was a potential first-round pick, but I don't think he really met expectations this year, and he's fallen. Here's a chance for him to get it back. Guy who I really like a lot, and someone I think is very underrated, and it's someone who I know I'm going to butcher his last name, Michael Ojemudia of Iowa. He's big. He's physical. I don't know about his speed, but he's very explosive. He's got good ball skills. He consistently flies around the action. Uh, that's someone I want to see. We want to see in the one-on-one uh, -on -one drills – when he's going up against the receivers, his ability to transition and stay step-for-step step with opponents down the field. That's going to be very important. Kalike Hudson, I mean, is he going to be a safety? Are they going to use him at safety? Are they going to use him at linebacker? Are they going to use him at both? And how does he do at each? I like Hudson a lot. Some teams have questioned his cover skills, so that's something you're going to have to watch out for at the Senior Bowl. Antoine Brooks, Jr., of Maryland, a guy who I like a lot. I've said that I think his ball skills are better than Darnell Savage's who was taken in the first round. He's not as fast as Savage. He's not nearly as fast as Savage, which is why he's going to be drafted much later. Kyle Duger of Lenora Ryan, one of the highest-rated non-Division I players coming into the season, uh, a fierce guy with outstanding size, incredible athleticism, missed the end of the season um, with injury. He's got a lot on the line. Jeremy Chin, who you mentioned, I don't think Jeremy Chin played at all this year. I think he was injured for most of the season. So this is, this is huge for Jeremy Chin. And, you know, we've seen some small school defensive backs go to the senior bowl, really turn in good performances and just elevate, uh, elevate their, their draft stock. Dominique Rogers, Camardi. I go back to Rasheen Mathis when he was there, ended up as an early second round pick. So uh, whether you're Kyle Duger, whether you're Jeremy Chin, you, you know, this is a big opportunity for you that we could practice at the Senior Bowl. It looks like Chin missed two games this year with a foot injury. Okay. I was way off on that one then. I, I, I just know he didn't play as, as well as people expected because he came into the, uh, came into the season with fifth-round grades, and, and uh, I, I don't think he lived up to expectations, but it's good to see him here at the Senior Bowl. Absolutely. And before we wrap this show up, Tony – Overall, we've gone over every position already. We've gone deep into a lot of the names here. What is the one overarching theme you see or the one thing that you're going into this week wanting to watch? And, you know, it might be the quarterback position. That might be a predictable answer. Even if it's not, what's the one thing that you're going to try to take away from this? Well, the one thing that I really want is good weather because <laughs> I like the uh, I like the Shrine Game practices. These practices are outside, so uh, you know we're, we're subject to it. I, I mean, it, I don't think there's any one thing. 
I want to see if Matt Pert from Connecticut can really finish his run blocks because he's got the athleticism. Uh, is an outstanding pass protector. If he, he shows a nasty attitude and finishes those run blocks, he's going to end up in the uh, in the second day of the draft. I, you know, there's a lot of hype surrounding Matt Hennessy. I like Matt Hennessy. People are saying he could be the best center in the draft. I, you know, we'll see about that. So that's something that I want to want to really keep an eye on. Uh, Darian Daniels, uh, the big defensive tackle, nose tackle from uh, or potential nose tackle, I should say, from Nebraska. Want to see if, he, if he's just a, a gap occupier or he's someone who can make plays. He looks like he can make plays on films. He makes a lot of plays, uh, you know, on the ball. We'll see if he's able to do it at the senior ball. And then Ben Barch of uh, St. John's, Minnesota, Division three guy. I, I mean, this is a big opportunity for, for him. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? How well does he move on his feet? You know, can he stand up against some of the top competition uh, in the nation? And that will really dictate a lot as far as his draft stock's concerned. And that's it for the 110th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. The next time you hear our voices, we'll be live from Mobile, Alabama, to break down everything we saw from day one of practice at the 2020 Reese's Senior Bowl. On behalf of Tony Pollian, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.